Sometimes we ask what if, and most of the time, our what ifs have always been the what ifs of the negative. Because since human beings sinned against God and we, we became sinners and we were sacked from the garden, our minds have always been the what ifs of the negatives. You know, what if I fail the exams? You know, we don't normally think, in our hearts we wish we pass exams, but when we are reasoning and we are talking, we talk like, what if I fail? Okay, you've prayed and attended the interview, but when you finish, you just think, well, what if they don't call me back? You know, you always think that way, the what ifs of the negatives. But this afternoon, I want us to think, if our church will grow, I want us to consider three what ifs, if those what ifs were working our church will grow. If we are going to be successful in any area, those what-ifs will also help us. But we have a mission from God. Amen. So the Bible tells us, I want us to turn our Bibles first of all to Galatians chapter 6 and the verse number 1 to 10. It says, if anyone is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. If somebody among us does the wrong thing, sins, backslides, fall away from the faith, the Bible says those of us who are spiritual should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And considering ourselves whilst we are doing it, that we are also human and it is possible that we may fall into the same thing. And I've seen people say, I will never do this. And somewhere along the line, it happens. Temptation came and then what they said they will not do, they end up doing. That's why Paul the Apostle said, when I consider myself, I look into my body and I see another member of my body. That the things that I don't want to do, it wants to do it. The things I don't want to do, it wants to do it. The things I want to do, it doesn't want to do it. You know, so he says, if anyone is overtaken in a fault or in any trespass, you who are spiritual should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Let's carry on, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. We are to bear each other's burdens. And what does that mean? It, it means we have to care for one another. We are supposed to be spiritual enough to make sure that we can restore someone back when they miss the way. Not everybody will be like us. Whilst we all aspire to please Christ and serve him, not everyone will be at the same level. Even in a classroom, we are not of the same level, even though we may be of the same age. But our level of understanding of the subject being taught is different, though we are of the same age. So in the same way, in spiritual things, we may have the same encounter. It says, bear one another's burdens, and so you fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, be there for the other person. Care for the other person. Let their pain become your pain. Let their joy become your joy. Then he moves on to the verse number three. For if anyone thinks himself to be something special, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Verse four. But let each one of us examine your own work and then you will have rejoicing in yourself alone and not in another. In other words, be very honest with yourself. Know where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are so that you can achieve something for yourself without deceiving yourself and deceiving others. Verse 5. For each one shall bear his own burden 
And then he now says to us earlier on to say, we must also bear each other's burden. Then he says, let the one who is taught the word share in all good things with the one who teaches. In other words, you are supposed to, as we help one another, he says you are also supposed to support your pastor. You are supposed to give to him. You are supposed to honor him. You are supposed to, to bless them. So let the one who is taught the word share in all good things with the one who teaches. I hope that one is clear. Okay, let's move on. Verse 6 to 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows or a person sows, they will reap it. If you sow laziness, you reap failure. The seed of failure is called laziness. It's a very nice seed. It will make you sleep. It will make you fold your arms. It will make you relax. It will make you hope for things, but you don't work for them. And then you come to the same place. You don't be deceived because it's deception. God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, we will reap. If we sow love, we will get love back. It's true, one or two people may hurt you, but when you sow love, the vast majority, you will get love back. If you sow care and attention, it will come back to you. Amen. So if you sow commitment and hard work, you will reap the fruits of that. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. If we sow seeds of spirituality, we will reap seeds of spirituality. If we sow seeds of prayer, you will reap the benefits of prayer. If you commit yourself to read your scriptures and, and study the word of God, you will be a workman that needs not to be ashamed. You'll be anointed, you'll be heavily anointed. And I found out that the anointing of God is no respecter of age. The anointing of God is no respecter of age. If we subject yourselves to the same discipline of reading the word, praying and practicing the word, you will become anointed. You'll be very, very anointed. God doesn't wait for you to have a certain age before he starts opening your eyes to see visions. He just wants you to practice these principles we have been teaching all this while. And that is how you become anointed. He says, whatever we sow, we will reap. So if we sow foolishness, we will reap foolishness. Verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to your flesh, to fleshly things, the Bible says you will get corruption back. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap life everlasting. When you sow to spiritual things, when you, your sacrifice is to spiritual things, the Bible says everlasting life will be your portion. And then verse 9. And let us not grow weary while we are doing good. Sometimes we get tired doing good. Because we don't get the same results back. I found that, I've learned that painfully. And I've realized that you can't change that. Keep on sowing your seeds. Because people are not always grateful. The problem with those who love so much is that they thought everyone will also love them the same way they love. And most of the time, you don't get it. So it hurts you. But then you begin to realize not everyone is like you. Your personality is different because you always think everyone is like you. So when you pay the price, you sacrifice, you are there for people. When it's your time and they don't show up and they don't sacrifice and they are not there, you can feel hurt. But I want you to understand because you are different and keep on being you. Amen. Keep on being you. 
in Jesus' name. So don't be tired doing good. For in due season, you will reap if you don't lose hope or you don't lose heart. People stop doing some things because they are tired. But the Bible says, don't stop doing good. Don't stop doing what is good. Others may be doing what is wrong and they escape with it. But the Bible says, whatever you sow, you reap it. So for them, everything they are doing which is wrong, don't copy it. Just learn to do what is right. Because both ways, there will be consequences. There will be a fruit for the seed. They may be escaping with it, but there's a point where they will not escape. There will be an end to the escape route. And when we do good, it may take a while, but it will still come back. That's what the scripture is saying. It will still come back. Say, don't be tired doing what is good. For in due season, when the season is due, due season is when the season is due. You know, when something is due, there's nothing you can do about it. So, whatever you are doing which is good, according to the word of God, it is building up something for you and it will come back. In the same way, those who do the wrong thing, some people do things and then immediately there is judgment. Some too, they don't do it and it takes some weeks, months. It depends on the type of seed you are sowing. Have you seen bamboo before? You know a bamboo tree? Good. Bamboos, if you put a seed of bamboo in the ground, it may take sometimes one year before it even sprouts. Because bamboo is a very hard thing. It's a very hard, you can use it for many things. So, depending on what you are planting, the fruits take time for it to show. Bamboo is a very durable tree. So, it takes a long time. And after, after you have had bamboos, you realize that you can't destroy it. You're trying to break it. It's not breaking. You try to bend it. There will still be some remaining. Anybody who has had encounters with bamboo, you will know. And you can use it for so many things. Many designs in the home. Many things in hotels. They use it for so many things. But it's a very strong, it's a very hard thing. And that's why probably it takes a long time for it to show up. So maybe the bad things you are doing is like bamboo. Very soon it will, <laughs> it will show itself. And when it starts showing itself, it won't go away. The bad things won't go away. So the Bible says, we will reap if we do not lose heart. Verse, verse 10. Then we will finish our labor. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we are called to do good to a lot of people, but we should be more interested in doing good, especially to those in church. This is not discrimination. This is positive thinking. Amen. Do good to those in church. The Bible says we should do good for those to those who are in church. It's there in your Bible. Now, why is Bishop reading all these things to us? What does that have to do with what if? But if we would do well as people of God and as a church to affect our, the youth in our community to do what God has called us to do, we have to ask ourselves, what if everybody cared in the church? Because the scripture we have just read shows us that we are to care for one another. What if everybody cared in the church? What kind of church do you think we are going to be? What if everybody cared? Because the Bible says that we should carry one another's burdens. How would you detect someone's burdens? You have to be caring enough to detect it. You know, you have to be caring enough to go beyond, hello, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine is by default, you know. You are not even fine, but everybody says I'm fine. 
Have you noticed that one? As soon as you ask, how are you? It's rare to say, I'm not fine. You just say, I'm fine. But you know that you are not fine. Sometimes you are really in pain, but how are you? I'm fine. Sometimes it's really been a bad news, a bad week, but how are you? I'm fine. But really, you are not fine. It must take someone who truly cares to see beyond the I'm fine, to hear beyond the I'm fine. But if everybody in church is like that, what kind of church are we going to have? We're going to have an explosion because every one of us loves to be cared for. We love to be cared for. That's how we were created. We are created to be loved and cared for. Both male and female. Men try to sew their muscles as if they, but they like to be cared for. Yeah, sometimes they like to be spoon fed. Come, is that not the case? Yeah. Yeah, he said yes. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, he likes uh, like to call himself up in bed. I can't get up today. Just get my food for me. <laughs> we all like to be pampered and cared for. Uh, I remember last year, this is my birthday. I was still lying down. I prayed in the morning, I was still lying down. As the thing comes, I say, you are, you, yourself, you want trouble for yourself. She said, what can I do for you today? I said, really? You, you want the answer? <laughs> I want you to bath me in a basin. <laughs> I said, my mom did that when I was born. That, that's what I'm feeling. I want someone to really carry me like I put you in a basin and bath me today. <laughs> but we all love to be cared for. The Bible says that we should bear one another's burden. If we lose anyone, we should restore them. You know, it will take a caring heart to go after the lost soul. Because some of the people who are lost, they don't know they are lost. When you are coming for them, they are insulting you. When you are coming for them, they are trying to run away. They are doing stuff. But the Bible says that we should care. So the question is, if our church is going to grow, what if everybody cared in church? What if everybody in Proton's church cared for one another? What kind of church do you think we're going to have? We're going to have a powerful church. We're going to have a, a mega church. We're going to have a church that does not only teach the word, but we can have the practice of the word. Because people feel cared for. When we all feel cared for, we want to go to the place again. We like to get up and force ourselves back in there. Is it not time for church? We want to go to church. Where there's no care, there's no way you feel like coming back there. If you have been more treated in a home where there's no care, you don't feel like going back there. When you go to school, you don't want to come home. There are some people when they go to school, they don't want to come home. Because home is like Nazi concentration camp. It's like when you enter that place, it's hell. Screaming, shout, hey, hey you are not coming. Look at the time you are coming. Everything is on top I want to run away. And when you are going to school, you didn't wash any of the things. Look at them. Look at the things in the kitchen. And it starts off like that. You don't even care to find out whether she has even struggled with the mathematics at school. You don't know who has actually abused her. And she's coming home looking for refuge and the fire starts from the door. And she feels like, should I go back or come back in? I feel like running away. They feel like fast-tracking their age so that they can get to 18 or 21 and quickly get away from the house. Because the atmosphere is not caring. 
But what if there is care? That's the same thing happens to sometimes people who are married. They close work by five. He's still hanging around Leicester Square. Because as soon as he hits the house, he says, a pantankerous wife. So, hey, look at the time that you are now coming. But at least the man has come. Open the door. Please take the jacket off a little. Just open the door. Just open the door and just, just walk in. No hello, no hi. Whether demons are chasing him or not. He's just coming. People have messed him up at work. He's, all his bosses are annoying him. And he wants to come home. And home is hell. No care. So he hangs around Leicester Square. Sitting there typing in it about 11 p.m. This, this person would have slept. So then she can, so he can come home and open the door. If he has made the mistake of leaving the key and press the bell, he will hang in the coat for a long time. And then she comes in and opens. Why did you leave the key? <laughs> you feel like living in your car. You want to stay in your car and sleep there. King Solomon had experience. He said it is better. To go and dwell in the attic of the house than with a cantankerous woman in a big house. He said it's better to go and stay in the wilderness alone than with a woman who, who is continuously nagging like a constant rain. He says it's like a constant rain. And I believe it's the same for some men too. Some men too, they are very quarrelsome. They quarrel more than women. They hold on to grudges. So there's no care. Wherever there is no care, you don't feel like going there. But what if everyone in church cared? What do you think is going to happen to church? We may not open at 130. We'll have a lot of people ready to come to church. This afternoon, I want us to think. Let us care. Amen. Sometimes we ask, why do people stop caring? It's because maybe somebody has really hurt them after they have cared. But don't stop caring. That's why the scripture says, keep on doing good. Don't be tired because that care will have a result. And if we are doing something for God, I want you to know we are going to deal with human beings. And we must show them care. If our church is going to grow, care must be number one. If someone is not in church... Can we detect they are not in? Or it takes us weeks to realize that Christy was not in church. And if she was not in church, did we call after the service to find out? Oh, you see, sometimes when you call, they don't pick it. Please do the, make, make the call. Just make the call. It's a sign that we care. Amen. Sometimes the person who has really not been caring Sorry, the person has not been picking their call because you think, they think I'm a nuisance. The Bible says, keep on doing good. Don't stop. If our church will grow, if our ministries will grow, if your ministry will have an impact, there must be the caring part of you being shared. One of the reasons why people follow Jesus was because he cared. He preached for hours and days. And the disciples said, Master, we are going on. He said, hold on. We need to get them food. Don't you see they are hungry? So Peter, you, you don't care that they are hungry. Don't you realize not all of them are apostles? 
You are apostles so you can fast for three days, but they are not apostles. So they can be hungry, give them food to eat. And just think everybody is like you, so you are not thinking, you ask them, have you even eaten? May we be caring in Jesus' name. I know sometimes the questions about care. People say, oh, you are trying to come into my space. This is too inquisitive. No, we know our barriers, but we want to care. Because sometimes the thing you want to hide is the one that is killing you. And if you share with someone, it will save you in the end. Despite the behaviors of people, may we be the church that cares. If everybody cares, what if everybody cares? Think about it. What will be the results? Jesus fed the people. He said, let's get them food to eat. We are not continuing the crusade until they have eaten. He cared. Do you care? Or we only want to be cared for? The scripture says we should bear one another's burden. That means that we should care to know. Do we know everybody's home? Do we have everybody's telephone number? If we sit in with them in church, do we know their numbers? Do we know their contacts? I want us to be a truly caring church. Amen. And every believer must have the nature of Christ to care. To ask how people are doing. To check on them. And when you have a caring eye, you can see beyond, I'm fine. I'm fine, I'm fine. And you're not fine. The sad thing about caring is that these days, because we know the answer is automatically, we just ask, Araba, how are you? And then I'm even moving. You know, you don't even wait to get a response. Truly caring people wait to get the results. Sometimes you need to engage the eye of the person. You can find what the person is going through in their eyes. Yes, I'm fine. I'm all right. They are not all right. Their mouth only spoke. May we care. If everybody cared in church, we'll have a growing church. Amen. We'll have a loving church. People will love to stay in the place where they are cared for. And it's true, sometimes their reason for coming may be selfish, but in the end, as they hear the word, it will change them. One day, a lot of people follow Jesus. Jesus said to them, you are not following me because of the word. It's because I gave you food. Because I multiply the bread, you have free food after you come to church. So they were coming. But gradually, a lot of them got saved. The word went into them. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Why would we grow weary? You know, sometimes we become indifferent. I don't care anymore. For us who are filled with the Spirit, let's care. Amen. Not everybody will reciprocate your care. But you are sowing a good seed against the future. Because if we preach a powerful message and we can't balance it with care, then we are a robotic church. It's robots. Robot. There's no, have you seen any robot in love before? They are just dry. They get things done, but they, there's no relationship. Who wants to marry a robot? Whatever you put into the robot is what robot brings out. Garbage in, garbage out. But a real person has emotions. 
and can think and can suggest. Church must be like that. Amen. Our Proton's church must be a caring church. What if everyone cared? What if we feel the pain of one another? What if everybody's failure became our failure? That we can intercede about it. Because it is care that will draw you to your knees to pray for the person. Amen. And many young people need care. A lot of young people, some of the examples I gave you, that is what, that's why they go out in town. Because they die roaming the streets until it's very late and then they sneak back into their beds. Because there are some creatures in the house they don't want to see. A lot too came from homes where there has not been any parental figures at all. But when they get to church, church will have to show them love. That they will stay. They will, you see, some people can't understand the love of God until we show it to them. Some people can't see God. They see God in us. They don't see the care of God until we show them the care of God. Not everybody who will come to church is spiritual. They can't see God. They can't see the Holy Ghost. They even don't understand how you fell down. What's going on here? <laughs> he doesn't understand. Why is she worshiping? She's crying. Who beat her? They don't know these things. But when we show them love, they realize that we are human. Sometimes people will make mistakes. When we, you know, honestly tell them, this thing is possible. I've been here before. This can go wrong. This is what happened. This is how I placed myself. They realize that, okay, what we are being asked to do is not an impossibility. You know, sometimes, because sometimes we present the message in a way that makes us like, my God, you have to be superhuman to really walk this way. And so then it starts thinking, I think it's too... It's too much for me to really live this Christian life. I don't think I can live. It's not normal. Maybe let me go back to my old ways because the way things are going, I don't, I don't understand how, how. How do you say that you, you were able to live like this? How is it possible? But true care will be able to present the facts. And say, this is how I respond to temptation when it comes. This is what you do. This is what you do. Amen. Hallelujah. So, indifference is a very dangerous thing. The greatest threat of a church is not a threat from outside. It is indifference from inside. I don't care anymore. When we care less about anybody, it is a threat to the church. Amen. So, may we be smart enough, caring enough, so that if everybody cared in church, church will grow. It is the care that will make us want to visit people, call people and find out, why were you not in church? And follow up. You can't do follow up if you don't have a, a love for the people. So I've, I've, I've left her. I'm tired of following up. I want new souls. <laughs> the new souls today will have challenges. So we need, it's the spirit of care that will make us follow people up. That will make us want to teach them. That will be patient to teach them. Otherwise, we'll give up on everybody. You know, some people, they are very annoying to lead. <laughs> but it's because they don't understand where you are trying to take them to. Hallelujah. 
A lot of young people are perishing. May we have caring disciple makers to go out there and follow them up in Jesus' name. They need someone who will listen to them. You must be caring enough to have a listening ear. And it's one of the powerful things. You see, we, are, we, we have mastered the skill of preaching, but we haven't mastered the skill of listening. It takes someone who cares to listen. Because some of the people we are going to minister to, they need someone to listen to them. When we listen to them, we can diagnose their problem and help them. Sometimes we are quick to tell them what we want them to do. But we have not listened to them as to what they are struggling with. What if everybody cared in church? What if everybody got to know what lady wants to eat for lunch? At least you get it for them once in a while. She'll be very happy. some pasta. Which one? Pizza. She wants pizza. The whole word, please. There's a lady here called Lady. Please, she wants pizza. Can you send your donations? Send your donations quickly. Send your donations. We want to give her pizza this afternoon. Amen. You see, because you see, church is about the lost and the found. Don't forget this statement. Church is about both the lost and the found. Most of the time, we also become very skillful at going for the lost. But then we don't longer care for the found. After they've come to church twice, that's it. Nobody greets them after service. Nobody knows them. Nobody knows their name. We don't care anymore. We don't care whether they have eaten or not. They come to church very quiet. They say, maybe she's just feeling cold. Just leave her. You don't know whether she's in pain. Somebody has insulted her. Someone has abused her. You have no idea. There's no care. May there be care in the church. What if everyone cared? May we care for the lost and care for the found too. Amen. Because there's a danger of losing those that you have found. You know, when I was drawing my itinerary for the year. I was reflecting. It took me a while during the fasting time, some of the afternoons, the December fasting I was in, inside. You are not inside it, but I was praying for you and not eating. And as I was planning for the year, I realized that I have to change something. Yes, I've got a list of all those I want to visit. But then I realized that no, among the list, I don't have the list of my pastors. So they, too, they need care. See, because sometimes it's very easy to lose track of the committed ones. And you forget that they also need care. Yeah. <clears throat> so, in my diary, I just wrote, hey, how about, I put question mark like this, big question mark. I said, the plunges. I've not visited them in a long while. When was the last time I came to the house? It's been a very long time, isn't it? Yeah. It's a very long time. Yeah, I need to come and show care. So I don't have to just only see them in church, isn't it? I don't only have to call them. Anytime you call them, it's about church and ministry. I know that when I call them, I ask about how they are doing, etc. But I want to be at home to visit them. Nancy, I haven't shown up, isn't it? Charlie, you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. But they are coming to church. But listen, they are human beings too. Like one man in Ghana said, woman beings. So this is what they are, woman beings. You don't treat woman beings that way. 
everything, but they can make you laugh for a very long time and you'll be happy. You see them, they all look very happy, but they are poor. <laughs> they, 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 they know how to entertain themselves. <laughs> they are human beings. I'm not going to put in all this. I'm scheduling a time to visit them too. Visit all the committed members of the church. It's part of the care. What if everyone cared? Amen. Second question. What if everybody contributed? What kind of church would we have? Everybody cared and everybody contributed. Everybody contributed talent, ability. What if everybody in church belongs to a department in church? What kind of church would we have? We're going to have a pool of talents. What if everybody contributed their time towards the ministry? What if everybody contributed financially towards the work? A lot of things will be done, isn't it? We can get a lot done if everybody contributed something. Contributed their time, their talent, their ability, their skill. Contributed a script for the drama. This year I want us to have a lot of drama. Because there are messages that are communicated and understood easily when we act it out than when we preach it. And sometimes a message may have been preached but we can take it act it out and reinforce the message and it affects quite a lot of other people. I want us to come to a time where we are coming to church and we're just coming to watch ministration, drama. Then we praise God and go home. The message has been delivered. I will not preach but the preaching would have taken place in the acting. And I knew it's a very powerful thing to do if everybody contributed. I think in 2007 or 2008, thereabouts, we had a situation where people were speaking too much Ghanaian local language, especially the three language in church. See, anybody they see, hey, hello, Etisen, hey, this, that. And they think because you are black, it means that you come from Ghana. And even if you come from Ghana, you know, sometimes people go to me say, Etisen, I say, I don't speak Etisen. He said, are you not from Ghana? I said, I'm from Ghana, but not everybody in Ghana speaks it. He said, <laughs> I speak to your thing. I said, I come from Accra. I don't come from the other parts of the country. I come from Accra. We don't speak it. There are people that come from the northern part of Ghana. They don't speak that. They speak another thing. They speak Hausa. They speak Dagomba. They speak different things. So that was going on, and it was, we were losing some souls. Some people, I remember we had a, we had one Kenyan and one Ethiopian, and she left the church. Because, and the annoying bit also is that it's not only that people are speaking, of course, you can't forbid anyone from speaking their language, but the way it comes in, you know, if I'm speaking to you, this person barges in, and I'm speaking English to you. And then this next person comes in, oh, hello, pastor, it is saying, and then starts speaking. And that person just, immediately you change your language, it feels, am I the one being discussed? You know, the moment you change your language, that's how it feels like, is he discussing me? 
is she discussing, are they discussing us? You know, and the discussion will never be in the positive. They will never think, how would you say something positive about me and you are speaking a language I don't understand? You know, so switch, switch away. Suspicions get in. People get needlessly offended. The next time they are not coming. At least one or two were honest with them. Pastor, I'm not going to come there again because this is what happens. Now, it hurts as a pastor, but then I realized no matter how much you preach about it, in fact, I preach about it, I said, don't do that. Then we went on to even find people who do that for 20 pounds. Say, you, when you get to your car, you can say that, but in church, don't move about and create this. Still, it was going on. And I have to gather some six people. I think they were seven. And inspire them to get a script and we act the thing out. From that day, it stopped. Because the drama sent the message more than the preacher. Seven people came together and acted it out publicly. They came on the stage. We gave about 25 minutes for that. And they did a very good rehearsal. And did created all the scenario that would have caused the offense. And if you were watching it, you see that, mm, I, think, <laughs> I think this is inoffensive. When you are doing it, you never know it's an offense. But then when you watch it, you realize that I think it is, I think we have to stop this thing. We have to stop it. It's not good. It's not good. It's sending the wrong signals. It's not good. And then immediately, the thing stopped. So I know the power of drama. Amen. Sometimes God sends the prophets and they have to dramatize the message. Because they have spoken and spoken and people can't get it. But when you act something out, it never leaves the conscience of the people. Anytime you witness an incident, you realize it never leaves your head. Sometimes you may forget something that you heard, but you don't forget what you saw. If you saw, if somebody describes there was an accident on the A2 and blah, 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 you can imagine. But if you witness the accident, it will not leave your conscience. It will stay there. In the same way, when we see something acted out, that picture stays with us. The drama stays with us. The acting, the, the, everything that we saw stays with us. May we carry our ministry to the next level where we are contributing scripts and drama. Amen. What if everybody contributed? Church will move to another level. What if everybody gave? What if everybody contributed their time to come for the evangelism? We'll have more people on the street and more people on the street means that we can engage more people. To bring them to Christ. Hallelujah. And number three, what if everybody just became a soul winner? What if everybody became a soul winner? Our church will grow if everybody became a soul winner. And we start the soul winning with our circle of influence. Every one of us has some circle of influence. There are certain people that we relate with. There are certain people that we have some influence over. Some of them may be our cousins. Some of them may be our friends. Some may be some neighbors. Some people that we play with, childhood friends, etc. These are all our circle. And there's a circle of influence that everybody belongs to. You start evangelism from there. What if everybody became a soul winner? Sometimes in church, only less than half of the church consistently come to evangelism. But if everybody came to evangelism, you can imagine. If everybody came out on the streets, if everybody's making the phone calls, if everybody's handing out tracts, everybody's actually praying for the growth of the church, praying for new souls, praying for all of the, you are concerned about disciple making and evangelism. Can you imagine what is going to happen? Church will grow. And if everybody got involved, 
this afternoon, it's a question. Normally, you don't say hallelujah to a question. <laughs> Isn't it? Because everybody's circle of influence, at least, is about 15 people. Go back and check your circle of friends. Those who say, okay, this one is, I'm definitely close to this one, close to this one. There are people that you are close, close to, but there are certain people you know that you can easily reach when you look at your phone. You, these are people you know. Averagely, it's about 15 people. So you have 15 people already as your mission field. Apart from those who don't know, those who know God, but I'm talking about those who don't know God. There are some people. You know, we still have people that don't know God, but we have some kind of relationship with them, isn't it? Yeah. We still have got classmates. They don't know God. They are not born again. And for some reason, they look up to you. They listen to you. They respect you. But that is a circle of influence. Some of them are your cousins. They may be younger cousins, older cousins. But you, have, you are in that circle of influence that you can actually influence them. Sometimes we pass them by. But they need salvation. They mustn't die and go to hell. Unless we don't believe that there's a hell and there's a heaven. If something is that serious as hell, we must be as serious as pursuing it and telling the people, you need to get out of this. And it doesn't matter how long you speak and say it continuously until they change. It is a continuous follow-up, the continuous talking that we don't want to do. We get tired. What if everyone cared to that everybody became a soul winner, we can get some things done. And why are these questions necessary? Because it is not automatic for everybody to care. It's not automatic that people would naturally just get up and want to contribute. And it won't be automatic for people to just want to be soul winners. And that's why Hebrews chapter 10, the very last scripture for this afternoon, Verse 23 to 25 is very, very instructive. In Jesus' name. Protons London must increase and multiply. May we answer these three questions. What if everybody cared to bring a soul to church? What if everybody became a soul winner? Verse 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Amen. God can be trusted to keep his promise. So we must hold tightly without wavering. See, the word wavering comes from waves, like the sea waves. It changes shape. But the Bible says that we should hold fast our confession of our hope without wavering. For the person who promised God, he is faithful in his promises. Then he goes on to say, let us think of ways, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. The King James, New King James says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works in them. If, if we have to stir up the love, 
It means that it's not always there. You have to be motivated. You have to spare someone on. You have to push someone a little bit. You have to encourage someone to do that. So all these three questions I've asked you, they wouldn't have been necessary if it's natural for you to do. But this afternoon, for Proton's church to move to the next level, you need to get the what if of everybody contributing, everyone caring, everyone involved in evangelism. And we can do it for God. Amen. We can do it for God. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another, to stir up love, to stir up love. Those of you like your soup, you stir it because all the heavy meat, they go down. So when you leave the food there for them, they all settle down under the force of gravity. See how Nancy is looking at me. She's very experienced in stewology and supology. If you are not experienced, you just come and fetch the thing from the top and you are gone. You know when it's frozen as well? Yeah, if you warm the thing, the things at the top, they are not, it's just, it's just soup. <laughs> the heavy things have gone down. You need to pull all those things that look like stones. When you warm them, you see, you see mighty meat. <laughs> then you see how Jermaine's lips will be going up and down. massacring meat. And the meat has a voice. We cry in his stomach. So I am dying here. They are crying in his stomach. He's eating them and drank water on top of them. Then he settles down and look at his laptop. Stare the thing. That means we need to encourage it. We need to continuously stare each other. Motivate each other. Say, we can get it done. Let's all get on board. Let's all get on board. It will save a soul. In Jesus' name. Some of the people who don't come to church, they may be going through things. There are young people who, sometimes they are not coming around because they are feeling guilty. They have sinned. Some people don't come because they haven't even suicidal thoughts. You have no idea. Some are going through things. So let's not neglect people. Let's not leave them. Let's continue to show them love. Those that need deliverance sometimes don't know they need deliverance. Amen. May we care. Then in 25 it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Encourage one another. The word exhort. Encourage. The E-X-H-O-R-T. Exhort. That means to encourage. It's different from exalt, E-X-A-L-T, to lift up. Sometimes some people mix it. But exalt, to lift, exalt, is to minister, to, to encourage. The Bible says, encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This afternoon, think about it. What if everybody came to church? What excitement will be in the place? What if everybody played some role? What if everyone contributes their gifts and talents? You can sing. Join us to sing. 
find out that the gifts are there. It's just that when, when you start acting, it will start coming out. When you start, when you join something, you see that it comes out. These days, I don't have the time to be writing scripts and all. There's too many things to be doing. But I mean, some of you, you are multi-talented. When in secondary school, there's always an argument whether I was a science student or an student. I see me in the science department. No, Bagua, is he the one writing the thing for the drama club? He's writing scripts, he's acting. You can imagine. He didn't record all those things in those days. I love the acting. You can see it sometimes in my administration, isn't it? Yeah. I like acting. It's a gift. Though you're a science student, you're still able to write scripts. And so God doesn't limit us. In some of these creative areas, what if everybody gave their best? We're going to have a powerful church. We're going to have a mighty church. Not only that, but we're going to attract a lot of souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that this message has come to stir something inside you. If all of us who are here will run with this message, you will see a different turnaround. A situation next week, it will be different. Amen. Let's follow the people up. Let's show them love. Let's care. Ask questions. Check on them. Find a way to point them in the right direction. Some may be struggling. If you have the skill there, teach them. So I think I know you are struggling with English comprehension. Help the person if you can do it. And that's care. Amen. Yeah. Some people may be having issues with relating with their parents. Some issues with their siblings. You know, some siblings are very annoying to live with. I should like that. But that's why it's your sibling. <laughs> the reason why you appear different is because you are born again. <laughs> Anything a family member can do, you are a potential, you can do it. The same gene is in you. <laughs> it's, it's salvation that has made a difference. But really, some of them, they are really annoying to live with. Mm, very annoying. Even you, the last born, sometimes they are annoying. They were not expecting me and I came out. So I think that's why they've been knocking my head since I was born. Because the one immediately I come after, she's four years older than me. It means I was not, I was not planned for it. It's finished. They finished there. Then I showed up. So I think I annoy her so much. <laughs> As we grew, we have, we have put, we are, we have, we are, but some of them, some of them, I tell you. But that is, sometimes you also miss that, isn't it? Oh, you don't miss that. Oh, sometimes you miss them a little. You miss the little quarrels. <laughs> but really, some of them are annoying to live with, but they are your siblings, so you stay with them. Amen. You don't change your name because of them. Yeah. My father's brother changed his name because he's just getting annoyed with all of them. <laughs> but you can change your name. It doesn't change the gene. <laughs> you look like them, you behave like them, you can change your name, but it doesn't change anything. 
I, I remember saying that to my uncle back then. He was so upset. He was so upset with my dad. So he's going to change his name. I said, Uncle, this is for you. You know, and the way it is, I look, I look like him. And because he looks like my dad, because I look exactly like my dad. So I said to him, but the painful thing is that you can't change your face. <laughs> he said, I don't care. I'm going to change my dad. If you change your name, the thing is that the person you are angry with, whenever you stand before the mirror, you have a reminder. You can't cut your face. You know, as, as it is said, don't cut your nose to spite your face. You know, some people, because someone is annoying them, they cut off everything. You also lose in the process. May God help us that even the most difficult sheep, you have a caring heart to restore them. Sometimes after some years, they begin to appreciate that. Yes, when nobody came, it was you that came. Even when you didn't go, they, they will remember that it was this one who was calling me regularly. Amen. Our church will not be the same when everybody does these three things. In Jesus' name, shall we all pray. Father, we thank you. We are grateful. We are honored to have you among us today. In the name of Jesus, may there be a change in Jesus' name. May we push this message. What if? What if everybody cared in church? What kind of church would we have? What if you are part of the everybody who cares in church? Lord, help us in the name of Jesus. What if you are part of the everybody that contributes to something in the house? That you are not just a beneficiary but you are also a contributor. What if it's not only bishop that preaches, but we too, we will be given the opportunity to preach. We will give our contribution. Like Jermaine preaching. Madeline preaching. Preacher Madeline. Hey. See, at least, see Suzanne ministering today. Yeah. So the gifts are there. The abilities are there. In the name of Jesus. Next time we have baptism, I will worry myself. There's people sitting here just to get under the water. Baptize the people. Baptize them. Finish lay hands on them. Let them speak in tongues. Let me just relax a little bit. I just sit down and watch you lay hands. Isn't it going to be nice? Yeah. Gifty, is that not going to work? It will work. It will work. It will work. In Jesus' name.